Sammy and JB to shut up. We are live. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's Monday. Hello. You guys are like, okay, uh, this is what we got. This is what it's like. No, no, we're live. We are live. <laughs> we're actually on the airwaves. All right, and got we it. We are glad. Uh, we're here. Everyone here? Test one, two, three. Test one, two, three. Oh. Sammy, Guy's a busy guy. Take a deep breath. It's Monday. <laughs> this is take a deep breath time, yet you are in full flight just uh, co-hosting uh, the morning show, correct, on Sportsnet uh, yeah. 590 The Fan, correct? Yeah, yeah, like they're really putting a la- leap of faith that people like listening to me because boy, I've been on a lot. Like this is just a <laughs> lot of Sam, so maybe I should shut up for a little bit. <laughs> and it's, it's it's not like you have anything to talk about uh, over the weekend. Stanley Cup Final, U.S. Open, Yankees Ooh. versus the Jays. Am I missing anything? Is there a cricket match somewhere along the way? I don't know. Hey. Sounds good to me. Wow. Uh, well, Borny's rich now because he bet on Matt Fitzpatrick pre-tournament, so. No big deal, boys. No big deal. Actually, you know what? I placed one golf bet in, like, two months. I've barely been betting golf and happened to hit Matt Fitz. What a what a great weekend. Well, we're glad everybody's aboard here on Real Kipper and Born, live on Sportsnet 590 The Fan on our morning edition, wherever you're subscribing your podcast on iTunes, Spotify. We are glad you are with us. Jared Bednar, Colorado head coach, called it close to perfect Saturday night on a 7-0 win. The largest shutout margin of victory in a Stanley Cup final. Wow. Was it? Was it? Was it perfect, JB? Let's start with you. Uh, I mean... It was. Was it not from Colorado's end? Like, it could not have gone any better. It's crazy. I think one of the reasons that I was hesitant pre this series to chalk up Colorado's speed as such a huge advantage was because Tampa had played fast teams. The Leafs are fast. Florida's fast. The Rangers aren't slow. So I just didn't see Colorado's speed overwhelming them. But, boy, Kipper, watching that game, it, was, it really felt like I don't know if Tampa can keep up. Yeah, I... Not fast, oh, Toronto fast, Sammy. Colorado is... They are the fastest team, head and shoulders, above anything we've seen in the National Hockey League. 100%. And are you guys wavering here? Like, I said that Tampa was going to be... It was going to be Tampa in seven. But I'm I'm at the point now where I'm doubting them. I'm at the point now where it's like, I feel like they're going to be lucky to win a game. Are you guys there, or do you think they got fight back in them? I'll go first on that, yeah, JB. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I've learned so much out of Tampa the last two years is that uh, I, I won't write them off. And I'm not saying that uh, they're going to come back and win this series, but they still have the ability. And, and I base that on uh, a resume, a track record, all of it, that we've seen this movie before, JB, haven't we? We have. We have, but, like, I, I've had this sense from, from Tampa that, like, I, I've never really felt like they were outclassed or outmatched to this level. Like, 7 nothing. They did that to the New York Islanders in a series where the Islanders took them 7, right? Last year, they beat the Isles 8-spit. I want to say in Game 5 of that series, 
they're the team who, when things break right, they end up with the dominating victory. Uh, I don't know, man. That that Colorado team is flying. Val- Valerie Nichushkin is apparently the greatest player hockey has ever seen. <laughs> how, how unbelievable has that guy been? So we're going to do something here that we haven't done uh, in our brief Real Kipper and Born history. We're going to Kipper Clipper ourselves. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Sammy, are we on board on that? Love it. Okay. So... I want us to go back and find a conversation uh, that we had in the first round with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And if I'm not mistaken, this was May 13th, and uh, Josh Santos, our trusted uh, tech guy, has this. Let's have a listen. If and when they lose Saturday night, Tampa Bay, he will be the first one to say, I squeezed every last drop out of these guys 100%. and he will be a hundred percent true but you for that to happen no, yeah. for that to happen the leafs have to give them a reason to quit to lie down and you just leave a little bit of a sliver open and these guys as cooper said will not accept it and that's where the leafs are still falling short That was uh, that was uh, that was a tweet from a David I dot W who kind of brought that back up uh, to life. That was May thirteenth edition, and it's really the same conversation, guys, that we are about to have on Tampa Bay again. Yeah, and we've heard it over what three, four times this whole season, including the last three weeks of the regular season is that this team is spent. They're tired. Cooper has squeezed everything he could out of this lineup. And yet they proved us wrong multiple times. Right. Is this finally different with Colorado? You know, I, I don't, know that it is. I don't think that it is until they got about 30 to 40 minutes. Colorado is 30 to 40 minutes where they can finish this Tampa Bay team. I feel like, uh, you know, the whole thing is until Tampa Bay loses in Tampa Bay, I'm not saying they're done. You know, Colorado's going to have to to go into Tampa and get one. If Tampa wins and it's 2-1, they get that belief back. They're only a few wins away. I just feel like Colorado has is going to face a big push at the start of the hockey game tonight with a chance to say, hey, you know, we are the fresher, younger, hungrier group right now and, and to put Tampa back on their heels because I, I feel like the push is coming here. And if you beat them, if this, Colorado comes out tonight and they're up 3 nothing, does that not open the door for Tampa to say, you know what, it's been a good run, boys? And, and now we have a reason to die. Right. We've, you know, we've pushed back. We've, we've been down and out a hundred times and blocked all the shots and whatever. You know, I, people won't criticize us now after all we've done. You know, I, I wonder if that's, if you can get them to that point. I think it's just a massive first half of the hockey game tonight. I'll, I'll be the idiot. I'll be the idiot here and I'll completely doubt them. Like, I just, it wasn't, if you look back at the Rangers series, they weren't overwhelmed, Right. Like they they lost those first two games. They were horrible in game in game one against the Rangers. 
they had a good game too, and then they came back and they beat them in four straight games. I just don't see the adjustment, fellas. What's the adjustment? How are they going to change the game? I guess the crowd factor, the home ice factor, they're dominant on home ice, but I'm not sure any of it matters. What the Lightning do best with their depth guys and, you know, their goaltending, the Avalanche are just doing it better and their top guys look better. So I just don't know what the adjustment is for them. Muck it up a bit, try to slow them down, but the, the Avalanche are just so disciplined, they don't take stupid penalties. I just don't see the adjustment, and I'm going to be very surprised if they can win more than one game in this series. After wow. seeing the first two games. Yeah, yeah. So For me, the adjustment Jimmy, is breakouts. Yeah. The, coming out of your own zone. Yeah, they're getting pounded by Colorado's forecheck, don't you think? Well, and when you get pounded by that forecheck, you don't have the puck. Like, I think they had, on record, I think Tampa Bay had just two giveaways in a 7 nothing score. Because <laughs> yeah, they didn't they have it. <laughs> two giveaways, meaning they did not have the puck all night. That's, that's a great stat. Boys, we were great with the puck tonight. Almost no turnovers. Just never had it to turn it over. That's brutal. Wow. And you know, the, uh, yeah. the, the other thing that stood out for me is is just – the inability, and we're you know we we marvel uh, going into the Stanley Cup Final about Headman and McDonough and shut down guys and Chernak and Sergachev able to block shots, get in lanes, you know, and now it's the the true avalanche is through the neutral zone. McDonough backing up, I think, on Burkovsky's goal, like he can't back up fast enough to try to adjust to that speed in right. the neutral zone. And they have no match. Their inability for gap control in the neutral zone is almost non-existent. Yeah, well, that's that's what speed does, right? Like, it, it gets you – it puts defenses out of where out of position before the play even starts because they're so afraid of getting beat wide. Um, and, and, yeah, you can definitely see that from – um, you know, from the positioning of Tampa Bay's D-man. That last game, you know, I almost felt like the score didn't do the last one justice. It got to a point where Tampa Bay was just kind of over. Like Vasilevsky, some, that McCarr goal, the seventh one, goes through his logo, basically, like, a, you know, under his arm, I guess. But it, it kind of got mailed in towards the end. Do you want to go to the Clippers and, and get to Cooper, getting back to what made them great? Is that a good place well, to start? Can, can I just say something about Vasilevsky? Yeah. The low blocker thing has just evolved into a massive thing. Everybody shoots there now, and they're scoring a lot there. Like, you think Manson scored there. Uh, McCarr scored his first one there. Everybody is shooting low blocker on him now, and it's evolved into a thing where he's letting them in. I mean, I'll, I'll be the bad guy on this. I, I haven't cared for all the discourse about where Vasilevsky's given up shots. It was high blocker for a while. Now it's low blocker. Like, is he any worse at those spots than other goalies in the league? Or is this just something that we're looking for now, like confirmation yeah, bias? Yeah. We're, we're going through it with a, a microscope now. Because yeah. that's we're not going to look back in history and say hey, Vasilevsky was good, but that low blocker, he man, was notorious he really, for that weak blocker. He, he got like, really exposed off of that one. In 2022, right. we might. I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll see how this plays out, but it, it does, it, it's become quite the story. I agree, but I, I think we're looking for it now. 
And Vasilevsky, although he's had the worst playoff game in his career, to me is to the point of Cooper pu- pulling him or not pulling him, he, he is still the least of your worries going into game three tonight. Yeah. For I me. love that they don't pull him. I love it. They're like, yay. You know, get a feel, stay in there, be a hockey player, stay in the rhythm. Like, I don't know, you start yeah. – he's the guy. He's the guy, he's, live and die. He's Cooper is so far beyond that this guy is tired, he needs a rest, yeah. he's got a, he needs to readjust, <laughs> we need to work with him. He's like, he's leave not. that guy alone. Yeah. I, 27 I minutes bigger, less working, mid-matter. I, I got bigger fish to fry <laughs> than this guy. I, I love them flashing to Brian Elliott on the bench after like the sixth goal goes in, and he just looks like somebody's dad sitting over there. Doesn't look like an athlete. Doesn't he just sit there with the hat on, like, oh please God, don't let me get my first action here. And he just never does. He never oh. gets the sniff. It's hilarious. He's just just got a great seat. What a All guy. right, let's go to our uh, our favorite on uh, Kippers Clippers with John Cooper on getting back to what made them great, and this is this is drawn out of a playbook he's pulled out multiple times Mm -hmm. this season. Let's see if we can pick up anything different than what he has said in the past, either during those last three weeks of the regular season, against the Leafs in the first round, against the Rangers in the third round. Let's have a listen. I think when you're – there's a lot of time in between the series and games and you probably focus maybe a little too much on the opponent and maybe you got to – circle back and focus a little bit more on yourself and why you're are you in this situation and what put you in this situation and uh that's something we have to do it's we really can't control what they're doing at all like we have to control what we're going to do and we just haven't done that and so um it's uh i I think i said this after the ranger series not ideal situation we're in but it's not insurmountable i mean it seems like it's been the playoffs of comebacks all the time so. yeah yeah how many times I, you want to go to the well on comebacks yeah i i do think it's interesting to say that like we can't control what they're gonna do and we just have to focus on what we're gonna do i i could see that right like you spend all this time between series staring at them and what they do that makes them special and, and you you kind of put yourself in a position where you're the reactionary rather than you know here's our strengths i think that's pretty good way of looking at things isn't it readjusting the focus to their own team yeah i sense a different cooper boys i watching watching the post game uh stuff i mean i've been listening to this guy for two months straight but listen to every single press conference that he does looking at him just getting the feel this one he just he actually looked disheveled he came out he didn't have his tie on his hair was all like, he looked like he was a used salesman, used car salesman that hadn't made a sale in a month. Like, he didn't look great. He just looks a little bit beaten down. And I think it's hard not to know after you lose 7 nothing, But I think there's a sense of him that might know that this could be the end of it. Like, it's really kind of setting in for him. He just had a lot less energy than he usually does in these post-game stuff. Like, he just seemed a little bit more beaten down. And that's my body language doctor. I could be completely wrong. But that's just the sense I got watching him. God, yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna pull out a, a a Rocky three comparison. Did you guys see that movie? Yes. Seen all wow, the I love this. Okay. Yeah. So now, here comes like Rocky as the champion, and 
you know, he's defending his title, and along comes Clubber Lang. <laughs> Clubber. Hey, short interviews. Need a prediction, Clubber. Pain. <laughs> that was it. That was it. And it's almost as if, like, Rocky's now, he wants to fight Clubber Lang, and his trainer's scared of Clubber Lang, and he's like, well, I fought other guys. He's like, those are has-beens. Those were cherry-picked fights. Those were the Leafs and the Rangers. This guy's, this guy's a killer. You can't beat him, Rock. That's Colorado, boys. That may be Colorado. If I recall, Rocky didn't lose in the end. <laughs> you know? Okay. You, you find a way? Now we're on to something now. <laughs> now we're on to something. So does Tampa have that ability right now to come back home? Yes. And Josh. look at Clubber Lang in the eyes and go, boys, time to step up. This is very motivational. I'm Monday morning pep I'm talk. I'm run through a brick wall, boys. Let's this go. is what Tampa Bay needs. Get Coop out of there. Get Kipper in. This is John Kipper, your new coach. I want to throw something at you, okay? Okay, enough with that. Chief Fondue song, please. God, everybody looking for stairs to run up right now? If this is a very big if. Tampa finds a way. Do they not go down as the greatest? I'm, I'm not going to say greatest NHL Stanley Cup championship team in history because it's eye of the beholder. We're, we're up now against uh, far beyond I can remember whether it's Montreal or Toronto in the 50s or 60s. I don't know. But I remember the Islanders dynasty, of course, the Montreal Canadiens dynasty, the Edmonton Oilers dynasty. But those teams never got kicked in the teeth so many times. They were always considered the best. And I'm just wondering if Tampa finds a way to come back and make this a, a seven-game series or, or win the damn thing. Will they not go down in history as one of the greatest character NHL champions in history? Oh, they got to. They have to. I mean, like, I, I know it's really tough to make those comparisons, but it's certainly they will always be remembered. To me, it would be this is like team intangibles because I don't know if you can look at this team and say, uh, you know, they're not the best offensive team. They might have been like 8th, ninth, 10th in the league in scoring not the best defensive team. They're not the fastest. They're not whatever, but they just find a way. Like, there is something to this knowing how to win and, and being confident in, in yourself even when you're down. And, yeah, like, maybe they just get rolled here. Maybe they just get rolled by a better team. You know what I did think of was, like, you mentioned those Islanders teams. They sweep the Oilers in 83, win their fourth cup. The next year, the Oilers sweep them. Like, it was just the Oilers' turn. The Islanders' run was over. On to the next great team. That could be Colorado here, you know, or just the next great team said, sorry, now it's our time. But if but, Tampa but Bay can push back. Even, even before they rolled against yep. Edmonton, 
Yeah. They never had the adversity of of what Tampa has in in no. the latter part of the regular season where we wrote them off. We wrote them off. They had three weeks where they were horrific. Right. And they had stretches against the Leafs again where they were horrific. And then they didn't they weren't any good against the Rangers those first couple of games. And then they get humiliated Saturday night. Just absolutely humiliated. Mm-hmm. And yet can they find a way to still make this a series? I mean, it's a hell of a story if they do. Yeah, big pressure think, on Sorelli. Go ahead. I, I just love that point that you never see like a dynasty like like that big of a beatdown. That was as bad as it gets. And I think that's an interesting point by you, Kipper. But I, Cooper has a clip we can get to it here talking about uh, how it's easier to scrub, you know, to, hey, Santos, can we play that, that clip about him talking about turning the page? It's, uh, I guess a little bit of experience comes into play. And I look back and it's, when you get to the playoffs, it's, one, it's just one game. Like, yeah, does it, it was an ugly the way it was lost for sure. Uh, but does it have the same result as losing in overtime? It does. And honestly, sometimes getting waxed like that <laughs> can be easier than losing the one in overtime because uh, you're so close. You know, this one we were out early and, and um, you know, you find out, you find out about your guys and, and see if they can, they can come back and they can turn the page. But uh, I've, you know, over the years, been in a lot of different circumstances. Maybe this is a little different, but um, you know, you just got to break it down. It's one game, so let's move on to game three. And mm-hmm. I, I, like I get what you're saying, Sammy. There is that 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 tone where he sounds a little bit tired, and he sounds he's he's only human, right? I know. It's just. He's at that point where it's like, how many times can I pull out a cliche or, or, or say, make the same point in, in a different way where they still find it interesting to play on Kipper's Clippers, you know? <laughs> do you, but do, do you think there's something to what he said there? Because I do. About getting beat down like yeah, that no, as no, opposed no. to losing it. A hundred percent. That there's, there, there's more reach now off of the beating than there would have been in an overtime. Then then you're 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 focused on, hey, we'll just we just need a, a bounce. We just yeah. need a bounce to go our way. But now it's like, no, 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 we need to work on multiple things. So let's get to work here on an off day. That's a big difference. In my experience after a beatdown like that, coaches handle it one of two ways. First off, imagine how much video John Cooper's been watching over the past God knows how long. Like every game, like painful, painful amounts of video. The two ways that coaches can handle this is to go, we did so much wrong, we need to pour through this and pick through every little detail and work on these ten different things. Or because it's so bad, you just say, to hell with it. We're burning the whole tape. 
you know, we're already down so much early. You know, we're taking chances. We're not playing how we would normally play in a hockey game. So most of the game is sort of invalid uh, to give these guys a break. I'm curious if when this is all said and done, we to find out how Cooper handled the post-7-0 loss, if they did a ton of work or, or, or less. Because you got to think the best thing for this hockey team who knows how to play is just to just take a breather, right? Step away for a sec. Well, that's what's what's happened uh, yesterday. Okay, uh, let's bring in someone that's been there for us all season long on Real Kipper and Born. Uh, his uh, insight's been awesome all season long. Today um, will be the same. Let's bring in Craig Simpson. Of course, he's calling the Stanley Cup final for Hockey Night in Canada, former NHLer, two-time Stanley Cup champion. Uh, Simmer, thanks for joining us. We know you're you're busy and tired and uh, need clean <laughs> underwear. And all of yeah. that. Uh, so we we appreciate you coming on. Um, I want to start with uh, Bednar's uh, quote in terms of as close to a perfect game um, that you can play. Now, you've been around the game a long time as a broadcaster. Is that as close to a perfect team that you've called in your long broadcasting career? Yeah, I'm trying to think of a, a, a game that really never felt like it was, you know, in the mix for Tampa at all. I, I think Colorado knew that Tampa would try to bring their, you know, a better game than game two, one that uh, Tampa probably felt they could have won or should have won game one after coming back. So um, I, I just think that it was a performance, Nick, where, you know, you hope that your team grows with uh, with each and every game. They've had some experience. You know, you go from, for many guys, their first ever Stanley Cup final game to all of a sudden you're doubling your experience. And I think that little experience from game one really paid off for his whole team. I think the confidence of the team got to a higher level. The execution was really good, but I, I, I feel that, you know, it, it's a group now that uh, truly – made steps all the way through to get to the Stanley Cup final to believe in themselves as being able to be champions. I think game two just was the extension of that saying, guys, let's let's really put the pressure on. We know what we can do. Our speed has really given them trouble. And I thought that was, as, as he said, as well and executed and as well put together game as you could possibly have. Yeah, Craig, you know, I, I, I like that point about Colorado and, and finding their confidence, right? Like believing that they are a team that's, you know, good enough to get get it done in the big moments. We also mentioned before you were on about Tampa Bay and trying to take their belief away that, you know, that this is not, this one is just too much for them. How do you feel going into game three? Like how important is that first period, those first shifts, um, you know, in terms yeah. of confidence for these teams? Oh, yeah. No, I, I said last game, I mean, the one thing you want to impose on your opponent is, you know, your will to win and take away theirs. And I thought game game two did a heck of a job of that from a Colorado standpoint. So we were talking yesterday, I, I thought game three, the, the first period is going to be critical for Tampa to find some of that confidence and will back. You know, I, I think if I'm Colorado – your main goal is to just press the repeat button on that first 10 minutes of the game. Even though you're on the road, it's more don't allow Tampa to get any traction of saying, you know, okay, we're all right. We're back in this game. We've got our confidence back. We can beat these guys. Um, there's a potential if, if Colorado can keep going the way they have that, 
you know, even as experienced a team as Tampa is, they also know, and you do as a player know, if you're at the level of your opponent right now or if this is just going to be too much of a task. And uh, I, I think that first 10 to 15 minutes of, of the first period is going to be critical for that. And if Tampa doesn't find some of that confidence and traction of saying, okay, yeah, we can make adjustments. We can slow them down. We can start making a difference. This, this might be another uh, uh, difficult night tonight for the, for the Lightning. And if we just uh, if we check Kale McCarr at the door for a split second here, what has truly beaten Tampa Bay in these first two games? Because it's not the offense of a McKinnon; it's it's the foot yeah. soldiers, uh, Simmer. It's the the new hooks, the Burkowskis, the Mansons, uh, Nakushkin. Even though he's on a top yeah. line, was signed as a depth player. And right now, those guys are dominating. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's been probably the most impressive and probably most concerning for John Cooper and, and even just the Lightning players is that, yeah, you look at up and down the matchup game and you say, okay, coming in, let's let's slow down the big guys. we got to worry about Makar on the back end, you know, being the one initiating all the offense. you got to try to slow down McKinnon in the middle of the ice. Well, they had scored nine goals in the, in the series, and uh, to that point, McKinnon had one assist and Makar had none. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Makar gets the two goals later. Uh, that's great, and that gives them a little bit of confidence. Uh, you know, much was made of... Uh, yeah, putting him out there on the power play when it was five, six, nothing. And I said, "Hey, you're you're trying to give those guys, if I'm Jared Bednar, a little bit of confidence." And those two goals for McCarr make his day a little bit different coming into Game Three. Another assist for McKinnon gets a little bit of pressure off, and so uh, I, I think that down the line, up and down the lineup, they've given matchup problems to Tampa, which Tampa typically has been able to win those kind of, you know, mid-range matchups and get production as opposed to Colorado's production, just sort of slam the door on any sense that, okay, you're doing a good job on McKinnon, you're doing a good job on McCarr, but you've given up nine goals in two games at that point. So uh, I do think Nick that's been a huge factor. I think there's where the confidence, I think, of the group has continued to grow to say, hey, I'm a good player and we're a good team and our line is really effective. And I just think that that confidence has been, you know, pardon the pun, but an avalanche falling down the mountain as they get further and further along and have, have passed some of the tests and been able to shut down, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl for for the series before, I, I just think that those guys have got so much more confidence and those guys truly believe they should be and can be Stanley Cup champions. And, and that's great to watch. It's really powerful. And you can just see it in the way that this Avalanche team has been playing. And there's the test for the two-time Stanley Cup champs. So they said, you need to do something early on to plant the seed of doubt in that Colorado group. And uh, I think that's going to be really difficult to do. What are your thoughts on how uh, Tampa Bay has just leaves Vasilevsky in the net? Like, you know, on those bad nights, they're rare or whatever, but Cooper's just like, nope, that's yeah. the guy, seven goals, don't care. It's a little different, right? No, I, I, was, I was saying and sort of struggling during the game to go, okay, well, how, how hard do you go at Coop on this one? Uh, 
because uh, I just thought uh, I tried to balance saying I, I understand and listening to him afterwards was exactly what I expected. You know, we're a team. He's our key guy. He wouldn't want to come out. We win together. We lose together. I just felt uh, from a mental standpoint, you know, the what was that, game 82 for him during the year. It's been a lot of hockey. I just thought physically, mentally, probably needed a break. Now, I know historically those two have been together. He's got, you know, a long stretch. We showed a graphic that it's 78 games now. That's third best in the, in NHL history with not getting replaced. Um, you know, Ken Dryden is 100. I thought it was 104 or something like that uh, in playoffs. So maybe you're looking at a legacy and maybe you're just thinking we'll stick with him. But honestly, I think if you reflect back, I would have liked to have seen Vasilevsky just out of there and get a refresh and get a little extra time. But, you know, John knows his players best. And uh, I, I think his explanation at the end of it was probably exactly what I expected to hear. I just don't necessarily agree with it in that position. We're joined by Hockey Night in Canada's Craig Simpson. Simmer, um, you've coached behind an NHL bench. Uh, going into tonight, what is the what would be the number one adjustment if you are a John Cooper going into game three to get yourself back in this series? Well, I, I think you have to find, you know, uh, a look at, uh, I thought early on they tried to be over aggressive and it, we showed one of the first shifts, you know, the first 30 seconds of the game was great. They had good pressure in there. They had a little cycle going, they got control of the puck. They looked like they had their legs and then they took a bad penalty and, you know, and that ends up getting them down one nothing. Early on, though, I thought the they, too much separation between the forwards and the D, and they were trying to get in. Uh, Maroon and Colton or whoever it was went in and hit. They had three guys down aggressively below the offensive goal line, and next thing you know, it's coming back here the other way, and it's in the back of your net. I, I think it's finding that balance as a team of saying, okay, we know – we got to find a way to skate a little bit better. We got to find a way to control the puck a little bit better. But I think there is going to be a time where you have to change maybe um, your forecheck to not be such a separation between forwards and D. You look what they did so well against the Edmonton Oilers that they, I thought the neutral zone, they did a much better job than they have here. They clogged the neutral zone, they had a good tight gap. They didn't allow McDavid to much open ice, they didn't give up the big uh, odd man rushes that, that they have here. Colorado's done that. That's what you have to do against a team like um, Colorado. So take a little bit of a book of what Colorado did to, to, to Edmonton and go out and try to execute that as well. So I think for Tampa, it's going to be really important to control that neutral zone a little bit better and not have such a big gap between the forward and the D and, you know, it's almost like watching how does Colorado have success. you got to find a way to shut that down. And I think that's going to be a bit of an adjustment for Tampa because they've typically been the one that other teams have had to react to. Simmer, last question for me before uh, we, we let you go. I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Kadri. Kadri traveled uh, to Tampa Bay with the team. Uh, sounds like he's a guy who could get into the series at some point. What are your thoughts on trying to get a guy in who just had surgery on a broken thumb? You know, is it yeah. is it smart to do that? What are your thoughts on that? Well, that's a hard one because, you know, every important teammate is somebody who – 
you know, you want to give the opportunity to experience what he's been dreaming about his whole life, right? So he's been a big part of having a fantastic regular season and being a good contributor to the point before he got hurt. So uh, I, I do think, though, that if when you're looking where you are, I mean, Cogliano, in a lesser degree, a different kind of injury, um, came back probably quicker than I maybe would have thought he would too. And there's another guy, as Nick said, about the role guys playing just such a significant um, uh, addition to being into the lineup. So uh, I think Kadri's the kind of guy, though, that you got to make sure that you're not uh, putting him in a situation where it's maybe over his head and he's not going to be able to play at the high level that he needs to. Um, I would imagine – I can't imagine why you'd put him in – tonight if there's any question at all about you know okay is he really going to be effective or not and I, I think you wait and see whether you maybe you need a boost if you lose a game or uh you have to adjust you know how hard guys try to get back in the lineup especially at these critical times but um i think there's always got to be a balance there and i think now if, if you you have to be of the mindset if you're Colorado that this is the most important game of the series right now because you can basically end it and make it a very short series if you come and you're determined to play as a group like you did the the last game or you know you're probably going to get your best from Tampa and I, I'd be surprised if Nas plays tonight with given what he's done to this point but I wouldn't be surprised at all if it goes another and they're up three nothing maybe you give it the opportunity. Did you notice uh, Cogliano's one-handed shuffle pass to uh, Manson <laughs> had, on the two-on-one? Give it over to him. Yeah, exactly. Right? I don't. I don't want to handle this one or over handle no. it. But you know, no. that. But that's where a guy like Cogliano can play a different role, right? And and check hard, be in the right spots, block shots, kill penalties, PK, things yeah. like that. Yeah, it's with, a very with, different game, I think. Right. For, for with a Cogliano. one-handed, with with one hand on, on your stick. Now, I yeah. hear uh, for Cogliano, it was a ring finger that the issue, okay. the broken finger, was. So, Simmer, you know that's a big difference between uh, holding a stick yeah. with that finger than it is a thumb. Absolutely. I mean, your thumb is your power and your control and your grip and everything, yeah. and. So that's what I said. It's hard to really judge everybody's injuries because you don't know exactly yeah. uh, the difference between the two. But uh, I do think even just the difference in the type of role and the type of player uh, has an influence as well. And and they are on a bad run when it comes to hands. Burkowski, of course, uh, uh, did not travel with the team. Now, I had heard that uh, the worry uh, when he left was a fractured thumb as well. Yeah, well, there's, again, where the the thumb is such a more critical. uh, I've seen guys, you know, Kevin Lowe played in the 88 uh, playoffs with a cast on his top hand. And, again, it all all depends on, A, what kind of where the break is and what the pain level is and also what kind of player are you. You know, if it's your top hand and you just got to shuffle the puck out and, you know, you don't have to make those uh, intricate plays, I think sometimes you can play. And I think that'll be the definitive factor for Kadri to see if he can come back. I feel bad for Burakoski because, uh, you know, there's a guy who got challenged a little bit by his coach too and really started to fit his role and and develop at a pretty high level. But, uh, you know, those – Think of the playoffs where you're losing players with Gerard being out, Kadru being out, and Burkowski being out. I mean, that it's been a pretty impressive run by Colorado that they've played the way that they have through all of that. 
Will be intriguing uh, to watch if Tampa Bay can get back in the series tonight. Have a great call, Simmer. As always, uh, love having you on our show. All right, guys. Take care. See ya. Thanks, Greg Simpson. Simpson. Getting ready for Game 3 for Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, do we want to throw in a Jared Bednar uh, Kipper Clipper before we go to break? Sammy, can we do that? Because uh, his team's... Up to nothing. That's the least we could do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, listen, it was the best of the lot. He's not the most enthralling post-game guy. We can listen to it. It's good. Still listen to it, but I, I want you guys to hear it. It was him talking about being perfect. So let's listen to right. Bedar. Well, it was. I don't know about the perfect plan, but it was certainly as close to perfect it was a ga- of a game you can get from your players. I mean, like I said, throughout our lineup, I just thought, like, coming out of game one, we... We were dangerous offensively, but I thought that um, there was another step to it for our group. Um, so we evaluated that. We shown, showed them some things. They did a nice job. And on the defensive side of it, we were way better tonight. I mean, way better. It wasn't even close. So I thought we gave them uh, – we made some big mistakes that led to goals against in game one. Um, we got better in, the, in those areas amongst others. and. Darcy was really good in goal tonight when he needed to be and turns out to be a a really good performance from our whole group. Yeah, I probably should have gone to break first. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You beat me to the joke. I was going to say that. Sammy, that that was the best. That was the best. That's all I could get. Darcy was good tonight. How could you tell? (laughs) We, we, We did better defense. Got it. All right, we'll go to a break here. Uh, we'll get to some news and notes. What are we hearing on Backstrom? Potentially career-ending surgery here, guys. Also, Elliot Friedman uh, from Sportsnet uh, talking about uh, DeBoer in Dallas. And what's the latest on Jay Woodcroft and the Edmonton Oilers? All that and more still left to chew on Real Kipper and Bourne. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Ailish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As we talked before the break, Nick Backstrom goes under the knife had hip surgery in Belgium on Friday. A lot of people saying uh, athletes don't recover off of this. He's not ready to uh, let go of the dream of uh, still playing, but there's a lot of people at age 34, guys, that say, uh, yeah, that might be coming to an end here. Is that how old Nick Baxter is, 34? 34, and if I'm not mistaken, still has two more years left on a $9.2 million contract, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, here, I'll pull that up. I, I feel like it's even more than that. But, um, yeah, so that's uh, an interesting spot for the Capitals. Like, if he's not available for them, salary yeah. cap aside, like, don't you feel like that team's in real trouble? Well, it's just not – you're just not starting the season without Backstrom. You're not starting it with Tom Wilson, who's going to miss – six or eight months because he had uh, complete uh, ACL surgery. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, she's not healthy. I think Haglin's got an eye issue that's pretty serious that uh, uh, we don't know where Haglin's at. So wow. this is this is a team that come October they got a lot to worry about. No kidding. Yeah, uh, Backstrom has nine point two million this season, next season, and the one after. Three more full seasons wow. at nine point two. Yeah. Three. Yeah. Three. I got a name there, boys. Oh boy, do you love it? Yep. Kadri. Oh yeah. Oh, can you imagine how detestable that team is going to be, and in a good way, by the way. I mean, Kadri and Tom Wilson up front once they're once he's healthy. Does Woo! does does TJ Oshi? Does Kadri not slide right into Backstrom's role? So what happens there? Insurance pays that money. His his the the cap it goes on LTIR, and they can just spend. Correct. Like this it's might not just, be terrible for uh, them. And, I say whisperingly. Yeah. Insurance might pick up 80 percent of what's owed on Backstrom's deal if yeah. if it's true that teams average you know three or four of those contracts on insurance. They wouldn't insure three quarters of their lineup, nor should they, with the premiums being so high. But that one would, I'm sure, be covered. Now, Kadri, Sammy, where's Kadri at? Do you need to spend nine million bucks on Kadri? I would hope not. That's a lot of money. Maybe on a short, maybe on a shorter term deal, it would be around nine million. But I think probably it'll be a longer term, around seven or eight. No, I don't. Nine million seems like a big number for Nas. It is, but numbers may support it. Yeah. And, you know, shortage of centermen? Like, yeah. you're in a bidding war for Kadri. I, I mentioned the Boston Bruins. Why wouldn't they? They need someone to fill in for Krejci, who I hear they're begging him to come back, but I, I don't know where really? that's going. Oh, yeah. So... I don't know. Um, I don't know how much you're going to have to overpay to to get rid of a, a bidder if you're Washington on Kadri. Yeah, there's no shortage of teams looking for a good sort of, you know, second line center who can score and agitate and all the things that Naz does. Definitely a lot of value there. Hey, random question here. Another name I saw available. Uh, Connor Brown is available again from Ottawa. His contract's up, and what do you what do you think? Is that a name? Well, is his he... contract up, where he's got another year on his contract? He's got another year on his contract, but I yeah. don't think that he'll, he's going to sign. All there. right, where, where, I mean, where's the the surprise that a guy may want out of Ottawa? Come on, well, that's what honest. I'm right, a hundred percent. You know, like if, but if I'm the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, I wonder if there'd be interest. Dubas loves his reunions, doesn't he? Three point six owed on him. What do you think uh, Connor Brown would get on an open market? Where do you think Kyle could afford Connor Brown? Rent him for this year? No. We're not doing rentals. I don't know. I just love watching Connor Brown. First rounder? Heavy bias in this question for me. First or second rounder for another rental? (laughs) Those days are kind of coming to an end. He's got 117 points in 191 games in Ottawa. Connor Brown. Yeah. It's a good player. Team PK. Great player. If Colorado, if Colorado uh, loses Kadri, uh, which we we believe that they will, uh, Nikushkin now slides back in. What do you 
how, how pressing of a need if you're Joe Sackick to get Nikushkin back and what do you think this? that cost would be? If you could give me either Naz Kadri for, for the next three years or Valerie Nichushkin, I'm taking the choo-choo train, I think. Like, I, I love this player, guys. Like, he big, fast, four checks. He scored 25 times in 62 games this year. I, you know, that's a, a pretty you know 30-plus goal pace. I love that's the a, player. That is the same guy that had no goals for te- uh, Dallas, right? Goose egg, my friend. An absolute bagel. In 57 games. Would you would you trust Nikushkin on a six times five contract? Like if have you seen enough to guarantee Take you? my I, money. I would, take I would it. be I would be yeah, for him, take it all day long. I'm scared that this guy may disappear. Well, wow, that's we, we were talking about this in the morning show this morning with Luke Fox. There's always this guy, every playoff run, you know, a UFA guy that... This isn't Billy Lano. Listen, listen, that performs really well with the spotlight, all the GMs watching, all the fans watching, and then he gets a big deal and he never is good again. I'm just saying beware of that. I love his game. I don't know. I just mentioned his whole regular season. He didn't have four goals this year. I just would be a little concerned giving him a big money deal. Me too. That's all. Me too. All Take right, uh, there's there's good dialogue between Jay Woodcroft and Edmonton. I think that one should get done. Probably uh, would fall under Marty St. Louis at $3 million a year. Uh, Peter DeBoer, we didn't get the, into that. We'll do that tomorrow on Elliot Friedman's report. That he's going to go to Dallas. Enjoy game three tonight. We're back tomorrow.